We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am the host. No fireworks for the double thumbs up for Tyler. I guess that's only a Steven thing. I don't know. Maybe a heart thing? We'll see what happens. Uh, Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Dude, I was hoping I would be able to figure that out, and someone in the comments told me that's how you do it. I guess it doesn't work for me. I don't get thumbs up for fireworks, so give it a shot. Good for you, Steven. Ah, heart at all. <laughs> Back to back times. I guess it's you got to lock in the elbows nice and tight. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. 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 Elbows in. Got to like extend, press out, (laughs) you know, stack and shed here. Stack and shed. There you go. There you go. No, it's, uh, it's been a good day, man. I, I have, I was kind of swamped at work, but so I caught the combine in glimpses here and there, but, uh, it was fun to see all the quotes. You know, Thursday is, is the best day of the combine because it's the first time where you get all the quotes and then also the testing. And so, you know, we had the edge rushers, the defensive tackles, and the linebackers today. Uh, it was a ton of fun seeing everybody. And, man, uh, Dallas Turner, Braden Fisk, Peyton Wilson, uh, salute to you. Uh, just, like, crushed the testing today. It's not fair that, like, Tavondre Sweat – I know he didn't run the blazing for, fast 40 time. But he's Still really 366 pounds. It's faster than I could probably run. He's a good 366, so – these guys, I don't know how you play quarterback in the NFL when these guys are this big, this strong, this fast. Uh, I don't get how you play offensive line anymore in the NFL. It's just, it just seems impossible. How do you go block some of these guys every single rep? I have no idea. Yeah, we're gonna highlight, you know, biggest uh, combine winners uh, on Monday for the Chargers. But even, you, you know, to your point, like you know, Darius Robinson from Missouri weighs in at two eighty five and is. Size-wise, like the 99th percentile, and he runs, and he runs like a, a four nine or whatever, and it's like, man, that's super slow. I'm like, what? <laughs> he's 285 pounds. I know. I, I couldn't believe it. Everyone's like, oh, he's really slow. He ran a four nine. Like, are you kidding me? I'd love to do that 100 pounds lighter. I can't do yeah. that. Yeah. No, it's a, it's it's a lot of fun though. Uh, I love combine week. 
the biggest, uh, the most impactful from a physical testing standpoint, like we've said, is obviously corner and wide receiver. Those are more so where you're going to get like, you know, you know, if uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry runs like a four or five, or if, you know, Peyton will, or Roman Wilson, excuse me, runs like a four, seven, like that impacts things, how they grade out. And obviously if Keenan Allen had run a four, six, he probably would have been a second round pick instead of a third round pick. So it's uh it's a lot of fun. Um, our usual chargers episode is going to be dropping tomorrow. Um, so hopefully you guys check that out. Actually, I think the audio is already up for those who listen to the audio side of things. Um, but we are, uh, we spent the week highlighting, uh, free agent targets and going over Joe Ortiz's, uh, introductory press conference. You're distracting me right now, uh, with the double thumbs up, but, um, so, uh, yeah, definitely check that out tomorrow. Free agency is uh, a few short weeks away. And <laughs> all right, we got Tyler doing this. this is distracting me. Like, like, I have such bad ADD right now that this is this is bad for me. Um, but, yeah, free agency talk tomorrow on the Chargers channel. Please go check it out. Yeah, fun stuff. I, <laughs> I baited Steven into giving me the $10 million or less uh, APY, and I certainly yeah. abused it for sure. You know, we had a, a, a great conversation um, if you're not in the Discord, uh, you're missing out because there's been some free agency stuff from uh, Alex Katzen, who has boots on the ground in Indianapolis. So uh, you can join that on Patreon or through YouTube membership. So uh, all the support there is is appreciated. All right. Uh, today's topic of choice is the cornerbacks. We'll see the cornerbacks test later this week. This is obviously a, a position of need for the Chargers. And we're kind of continuing the series here where we uh, are, are addressing a position uh, of need from the Chargers. We've done wide receiver. We've done um, offensive tackle as well. And so cornerbacks is the one we're doing this week. Edge rushers will highlight next week. Talking about who's on the team. Maybe some free agency talk tonight uh, a little bit here and there. Uh, and then draft perspectives as well. So I think the biggest question mark when it comes to the 2023, you know, revisiting that conversation and, and projecting forward is obviously Asante Samuel Jr., um, he is playing on the last year of his rookie contract this upcoming season. The The projection into Jesse Minter's defense, I think, is very interesting here. Um, we've said this a few times. We've watched so much Michigan tape over the last three months. Uh, I think I've watched the Michigan and Wisconsin game like 17 times. I've watched the Michigan-Washington game a bunch, Michigan-Alabama because of all these prospects. Um, we obviously had Cody Alexander on. So, Tyler, in terms of asante and his fit with this defense what kind of question marks do you have how well do you see this working for him do you think that he can kind of shape himself into a jesse minter uh prototypical cornerback it depends because we've never seen him without brandon Staley, ronaldo hill um forgetting Derek ansley coaching so i don't know maybe what he looks like with a different coach for example like a derwin james we've seen excel and be different asante not so sure and i think watching jesse minter's defense and watching josh wallace uh josh wallace mike sander still these guys from michigan i think he's like half and half what michigan wants and then what they don't really love but maybe he could get better with coaching so the half that's good is the smarts and playing the football and being able to do multiple things and understand where the ball is going at multiple points in the field we saw that like in the Raiders game when he flew out of nowhere to make that interception against uh, Devontae Adams. Like that sort of stuff is what Jesse Minter's defense would love to have. And they have corners that can do that. The half that isn't there so much is not just the, the tackling, like the missed tackling. That, of course, needs to be there. But 
you know, like uh, Mike Sanders still, like his missed tackle rate isn't great, but it is really the willingness to go fly down the field and play the run and yeah. make one stops and make stops in the passing game. So even though Sanders still maybe doesn't have like the greatest missed tackle rate, you can see all over the tape plenty of times where he's running down the field to knock somebody out. Josh Wallace, the corner that I've watched for Michigan, uh, one of the lowest missed tackle rates, and he's always trying to play uh, and run, et cetera. I don't really know that, that that's Asante Samuel Jr. So the the pass coverage side of things and that mental aspect, I think, works for this defense. The way that Asante Samuel Jr. does isn't really play the run, I don't think really yeah. suits this defense as much. But then again, he will be the CB2, I think, this upcoming year. So maybe it doesn't matter as much, but I think it's something they – if he doesn't address this this year, he's not going to be a significant contributor on this defense moving forward. Yeah, I think he's going to be on the roster. Like, <clears throat> yeah, the Chargers yeah. have too many other needs to just be like, hey, I saw this junior. Like, see you later. Um, he's going to be on the roster. It's just a matter of can he be maximized this season and earn himself a second contract as well. I think this this fit in this defense. I think it's pretty easy to see like the pass coverage of Mike Sanders still in the slot and the pass coverage of Asante Samuel Jr. and seeing a lot of overlap there, obviously from a physical frame standpoint as well. But Sanders still is such an effective blitzer. Uh, he talked about today, you know, watching Mike Hilton, who's the best uh, slot blitzing cornerback in the NFL and modeling his game after him. And you can see that on tape. You see the tackling. His tackles are, are going to happen. But you can live with the, like you said, the missed tackles as long as the mentality is there. Asante has a habit of dodging tackles. He's he makes business decisions, and and you know, cornerbacks in the NFL like to say we don't get paid to tackle, but at the end of the day, like it does matter if you're not Jalen Ramsey, if you're not you know uh, Marcus Lattimore, if you're not these kind of elite cornerbacks. If you're a supporting corner, you have to tackle in the NFL. It, it, otherwise, it just it, you know you can find cornerback twos who can cover all over the place in order for you to truly like make your mark you have to tackle and we've seen glimpses of glimpses of asante being able to do it it's just the willingness the mentality can that change i, I think yes it can but he hasn't shown it yet um as a rookie i think you see the alpha mentality that's really like the the best season we've seen in terms of that mentality showing up um and then just last season, I think, was was kind of tough for him. It was tough for a lot of Chargers defensive players. If 2023 Asante Samuel Jr. shows up in 2024, then he's not going to be on the roster in 2025. If the Chargers can get him back to what he was as a rookie and maybe like the first half of his second season, that guy can stick on the Chargers. But he's got to get back to that form. Otherwise, he's in real danger of uh, going elsewhere. Yeah, I would agree. I think he can do it. I think he certainly has the talent and the tools to be able to do it. Whether he does, we'll see. But that defense, I mean, I can't remember the last time a defense for Michigan, for, ex for, not for example, the one I'm talking about. I can't remember the last time a defense won the national championship, was one of the best defenses in football, and not a single player is projected to go in the first round. Uh, it's, it's because they all work together. It's a hive. They're all working together. It's the scheme. Yeah. Everyone's working towards the scheme. Um, and so hopefully Asante Samuel Jr. can be a positive part of that. Otherwise, they'll rather they would rather just find an individual who maybe isn't as talented or highly drafted, but they fit the scheme better. Um, but we'll see. I, I he's definitely not off the roster. Like we were definitely not saying that he's off the roster this year by any means. He brings so much other good stuff. But I think we have to, and we're gonna talk about it, invest in corner early because you can't rely on him to be CB1 this year, and I don't think you can rely on him to just turn it around and be an elite corner this year and moving forward. 
Yeah, I think even at his best, he's not a CB1. Like, I think at yeah. his best, he is that CB2. Um, you know, we uh, there was that great interview that just came out from Haley Elwood with Jesse Minter. One of the things that Jesse Minter spoke about is that, you know, it's 50% what you call, but it's 50% how you play. And it's the mentality. It's the style. It's the toughness. And that doesn't mean always that you have to tackle. If Asante can get back to that alpha mentality, he can definitely carve out a role with this team. And I would trust Jesse Minter to be able to figure out what that would look like. Um, I, I guess my my last question regarding Asante is like, there was always that thought of like, hey, like let's test Asante out in the slot. And then it never happened. And it was always like, oh, he's an outside guy. I am curious in this defense with Jesse Minter, would he prefer two bigger, more physical outside corners and then put Asante in the slot? Or is it just kind of easier for them to, and I guess we can talk about this as well, maybe easier for them to find a slot corner veteran market or something like that, leave Asante where he's comfortable and try and maximize him there. So there's always been that idea of Asante in the slot. Maybe that comes to fruition this year. Maybe it doesn't. That is kind of a, a curiosity I'm, I'm, uh, I'm interested in seeing uh, as well for Jesse Minter. I would definitely have to look at the size profiles of some of these guys. It's such a small sample size. We don't have we don't have tons of years of McDonald with the Ravens. Don't have a ton of years with Minter and the Michigan right. Wolverines. So tough to say. Um, Asante Samuel Jr. only has one pass rush rep his entire career so far in the NFL. Doesn't mean that he can't do it. We literally have no idea. But that's the thing. Like we don't really know, and they have to bring that. On the flip side, as you mentioned, like Derwin James. That could be the rotation. That that is how Derwin James could be yeah. effective as a slot guy. So I don't know if you need Sant to be able to blitz um, a lot because that's what Derwin can do. But at the same time, maybe they want someone who can do it a little bit better, a little bit more, or yeah. has done it before. Yeah, I think Derwin obviously going to factor in heavily in how they play the slot. Um, I don't think he's going to be like a full time slot corner by any means, but I think he is going to play in the slot more frequently than we saw previously. I think Jesse Minter spoke about like they they want Derwin to do what Derwin, Derwin does well. And one of the things Derwin does really well is play the slot. So I think that is going to factor in a little bit here. Maybe that minimizes the need in, in terms of the slot. And I think there is there is some aspect of like Brandon Staley wanting, you know, a true cornerback one and then the other guys kind of rotating in and out alongside Derwin. I think some of that is going to carry over with Jesse Minter just based off of like, how we've seen him, you know, coach defense at Michigan, how we've seen Mike McDonald coach defense mm-hmm. in, in Baltimore. They've always had kind of three guys at who at any moment can kind of change positions. And maybe that helps Asante carve out a role between outside slot and kind of eases the pressure a little bit too. Yeah, I, I don't recall exactly what the snaps were, but, you know, when you talk about Kyle Hamilton, you talk about Geno Stone, Marcus Williams, they gave a big, contract him obviously don't know if they regret that or not but he played his own like 500 snaps uh, for baltimore last year as like the mm-hmm. third most snaps at safety so there's definitely going to be a rotation there whether it's safety whether it's corner we'll see but they, they really have a, a, a blank template they really just have the two guys it's derwin it's asante the rest they can do as they wish and i'm really curious to see how they do that yeah totally I think we're uh, on the same page regarding the other corners on the roster. Just here, Taylor, Dean Leonard, likely best suited for backup and special teams roles. Although I do think that Dean Leonard showed some fun flashes, at least at the tail end of the season, filling in for Michael Davis. Yeah, I would agree. I, I genuinely believe second half of this year, start of next year, 
Dean Leonard could work his way into an actual role. I just don't know if I want to bet my season on that just yet. Right. Right. So essentially the chargers need two starting corners and uh, we'll, we'll have that conversation uh, tonight. Um, let's, let's discuss, we, we talked a little bit about free agency. Is there, is this a, a draft problem for you or is this one or both, or is this free agency? Like, in terms of an ideal scenario for adding to the cornerback position, what's your thought process and how the Chargers address those two uh, starter roles? Yeah, I think you, I don't know what comp I have for like another low price veteran free agent from a previous year there would be, but I do think the Chargers got to find one low priced veteran corner in free agency. Like, let's pretend you have that veteran guy and Zant, and those are your two outside corners. I don't believe that'll actually be the case by the time the draft is over. But you got to have somebody. There's just there's just not enough corners on this roster right now. Not yeah. enough starting caliber ones. So I think you got to get one. Obviously, they can't afford a really expensive guy. I don't really think they need to. And then I think in the draft, I, I'm genuinely at the point where I believe that if this corner class shakes out the way I've currently been watching it, if you take two in the first three rounds, I'd get it. Like I would genuinely understand why they would do it because they're very very good and very very talented. So I I think I think. The Chargers should double dip at corner one in the first two rounds, probably if they just go with one low price veteran free agency um, and then one, maybe even round three, round four. Like I think they got a double dip in the draft early. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think my ideal scenario for the Chargers and a cornerback is double dipping through the draft as well as adding a, a veteran free agent in terms of just bringing in some competition here. Um, I look at like what the Kansas City Chiefs did. They added three cornerbacks in 2021. I don't think that's the Chargers would have to trade down a few times to be able to do that. But they took Trent McDuffie in the first round and then Joshua Williams in the fifth round, I believe. Maybe it's that's the second and the fifth or the second and the fourth for the Chargers. Maybe that's the first round. We don't necessarily know. Um, but I agree. I think cornerback is definitely a position where you double dip early. And so for me, like the best case, like, when I envision the Chargers cornerback room, like Asante's a free agent, right? You maybe add a, a cheap veteran here. Those two guys that you draft ideally are your cornerbacks of the future in some capacity, whether it's outside slot going forward. And then you can kind of, you know, add a free agent, keep Asante next year. But those two rookies, I think, are going to play crucial roles for this team. And I think you look at in terms of free agents, like a Ronald Darby type who was in Baltimore makes a lot of sense. He's, he's a long time veteran. He's going to be 30. So he's not obviously at the peak of his performance, but he played some good ball for the Baltimore Ravens last year. He can play outside, play inside. Um, you mentioned Jordan Lewis. There's, there's not a ton of like cheap quality corners out there. Maybe Emmanuel Mosley type one year, $4 million, according to Brad uh, Spielberger. So that, that's the kind of range I think you're looking for. You're looking for somebody who can play outside and inside and be able to give them some flexibility heading towards the draft. I guess only because we didn't specifically talk about him yet. We, we are feeling Jaw Taylor is just special teams only. We don't believe that. Yeah, I think when you get, future. yeah, I think when you get benched for Isang Bassey, that probably tells you all you need to know. <sighs> yeah. I, I know that Brandon Staley and Derek Ansley were very high on Jaw. Like, I, mm -hmm. I think once the, the coaching change happened and everything, it was pretty clear, like, they were going to go with the St. Bassey. So um, maybe that's still in there, but they gave him the entire season, basically, to earn 
a real role for them. And, and he was not able to capitalize on that. So like it was the first week of training camp, they were like, oh, like Asante's in the slot. And and then we're doing like the Michael Davis, JC Jackson stuff. And but then after like the first week, it was like Jasir Taylor's our starting slot. Like that was it. And then he never really like backed that up. So um, I do think that it's you you have competition. I, like I don't think you just outright rule it out, but um, I think he is best suited at this point for a special teams role. He's he's an awesome special teams player, and so is Dean Leonard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can still carry value on the Chargers uh, in that role, but I just I don't think he did enough for me to be like, yeah, like let's consider him as starter. Okay, I agree. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, okay, let's pin this as a draft conversation here. In terms of the cornerback class, you mentioned here a little bit. Like heading into this process, it was like, oh, there's no Sauce Gardner. There's no uh, Devon Witherspoon. There's no Christian Gonzalez. There's no like blue chip guy. I've made my feelings clear about Terry on Arnold. I think he is a blue chip guy. Do you agree with my assessment or the narrative assessment? Where are you at like in general at like the top of the cornerback class? I think that so Terry Arnold Arnold is my CB one, and I think followed by Wiggins, but we'll see. Like the, we haven't had the combine yet; got to watch more games. But just on a preliminary, Arnold CB one, and I don't, I would not have him over. Now, granted, these are very good prospects over Gonzalez, over Witherspoon, or over Joey Porter Jr. He would have been CB four in last class for me. With that said, I had those three like in the top six of my board, so that's just kind of a me thing. And me liking those corners last year. And I really believed in, in those, really the top four or five in that class. Um, I believe that Arnold is, it depends on how you view blue chip. It depends on where the grade is. He has a first round grade for me. So there's there's at least that. But I think, great, great question from Ben. What's the definition of a blue chip guy? Guaranteed starter, all pro. Um, I'll let you answer that first because you asked the question. But to me, he does have a first round grade from me. But I do like him more as a, a top 10 pick more than a top five pick if you know what i mean yeah no that's that's uh very fair i think when i'm talking about a a blue chip prospect and you know some people have this different but i think um we based a lot of or when we first started this we based a lot of our grading scale off of like what ed, what nfl network uses because they use the the scales that the nfl scouts use and it's a one to eight scale Basically, you, you if you're an eight prospect, you're the perfect prospect, which the only person that's come close to that is Panay Sewell for me. Um, Marvin Harrison 
Brock Bauer is very close as well. Um, but it, it, a blue chip player for me is somebody with at least a seven four seven point four grade, and that's somebody that I that I see potential as a top ten player at his position at some point down the road. And like that is, I think how you can kind of weigh it. It's a guy who flirts with all pro contention. It's a guy who's a you know flirts with Pro Bowl contention. That's kind of a blue chip player. And I do see that in Taron Arnold. Maybe I am overvaluing a little bit, but I think you see the movement skills. I think you see the fluidity. I think you see the tackling. I think you see the playmaking ability. You know, you watch Lad McConkey tear up the SEC, and he struggled against Taron Arnold. And I think Taron Arnold has that kind of mentality. Um, he talked today specifically about his mentality comparing to like his dad or his uncle being a roofer and how his his dad or uncle or whoever it was uh had to have the confidence that like they're on the roof they're by themselves they just have to get things done and that's how he plays corner he pretends that he's just on a roof and he has that men- mentality to to be on an island um i think there's so much to like there about tearing on in his mindset the physical profile we'll see about the physical testing i can't imagine he's going to test poorly i think he is going to test very well um, but he checks every box for me and so I know that there are some people who think like, you know, there's like some size limitations and things like that. I don't really see that personally. I think he plays, I think he plays like a six foot one corner. Maybe he's 5'11". We'll see tomorrow. But um, I love Taryn Arnold's tape. For me, like I, I have him right up there with in terms of like the highest grades I've given out uh, of any corner I've studied right there with like Derek Stingley, with um, JC Horn. That kind of prospect for me is is the corner guy I gravitate towards, and I'm a sucker for this kind of corner. And so, Terry Arnold for me does have a blue chip grade. Okay, so if, it, if it's top ten at some point in his career, then I think I would agree with that. You hope you hope with a lot of these guys right. that are first round. It's all a projection. Grade. Yeah, totally. Um, if we're expecting like all pro, like which, which basically we're saying like the top, let's say five every year, maybe not so. Um, but you know, teach their own. What I what I saw watching Arnold, no matter what, is that like I don't know that there's another player in this class, at least on defense, that I thought that's the perfect guy for the Chargers. Like I think mm. Arnold definitely fits that for me. I don't think I thought of anybody else in this class. Have not watched everybody. I've got 63 players, so calm down if I didn't get the guy that you like. But yeah. like it was just perfect the way he sheds, the way he plays the run, the physicality, the way he plays the ball. I was like, this is perfect. Like this is exactly what the Chargers need. Um, like I talked about, you know, you don't have to be a great tackler necessarily, although I think he is, um, but you got to go play the run. You got to be aggressive. And I think you have to be a part of a really strong system. And I think that Arnold absolutely did that. Yeah, I know. I think you look at what the Ravens type of defense is usually preferred at corner. I think there is a lot of parallels between Taron Arnold and Marlon Humphrey. I think those two guys stack up pretty evenly. Um, so I, I'm a huge fan of Terry Arnold. I think in a in a normal class, I would be very comfortable taking him at five. The issue in this specific class is that there is three quarterbacks potentially in the top three picks, a generational wide receiver, and one who's very very close behind him. So it's it's an interesting conversation of like where you're comfortable taking Terry Arnold. I know that there's been a um, a few conversations from like Lance Erline and, and Daniel Jeremiah about like trading down to eight and taking Taron Arnold for you. He's your CB one. You think he's a perfect fit. Where would you be comfortable taking him? Uh, if you like, if he was the guy the chargers were targeting, 
what number of yeah. pick are you selecting him at? Whew. Okay, so having not gone through all the edge rushers just yet, like I just got to Jared Verse. I was trying to just jump around to different parts of the draft. Yeah. Um, I think the Falcons pick would be, I say that specifically because of the trade back area, but I think that's when you start to say, okay, I think that's where I'd take him. Because for me, he's either going to be the first or second best defender in this class for me. And so I think if you're looking about the eighth pick, I think you're feeling pretty good there um, as like the, the starting point for him. Yeah. Uh, great point too from Everett O'Neill. Terry Arnold still is is 20 years old. So um, a lot of room to grow there as well. Um, I think eight is, is would be comfortable for me depending on how the board plays out. Like yeah. I, because of the chargers needs, like, I think I still would prefer one of the wide receivers or even a Brock Bowers. Yeah. But if you, if the chargers trade down, like theoretically, I said this the other day, like the, the bears to me make a lot of sense in terms of a trade down target because the bears are going to want to get one of the top wide receivers. So if you trade down to nine and those receivers are gone and I'm looking at Taron Arnold or one of the, one of the tackles, I'm probably taking Taron Arnold. Like that's, that to me is is where that starts. I think at eight, you're, there's still a chance that Odunze is there, and I would still take yeah. Odunze over Terion. But at nine, I think that's kind of where where it starts. And it sucks because like I love Terion Arnold; he's one of my favorite players that I've I've studied this year. But this class at the top with the wide receivers is just so stacked. Yeah. So, so I guess I can clarify then. That's the spot I'd be comfortable taking Arnold. Doesn't that doesn't mean I would be more comfortable taking him over Odunze or Bowers? Yeah or i think over the tackles yeah over the tackles would be okay with yeah if the chargers needed a left tackle that'd be a different conversation uh i would <laughs> if the chargers needed a left tackle i would take olu over arnold but they don't need a yeah. left tackle they need a right tackle potentially mm -hmm. um any of the other first round corners to you that you feel like could be fits for the chargers i know like they have to trade down pretty significantly after that for me to entertain right. other cornerback talk. But can you see the vision of any other first round corner being a fit for the Chargers? <sighs> Again, the, the athletic potential of Quinn Mitchell is fantastic. And what he can do as a as a cover, not cover zero, um, a zone coverage corner is is wonderful. And I mean, truly, the first few plays I watched of him, I was not a fan, but the more I watched, um, the better he got in the game too. Like I think there maybe was a, like a chess yeah. match there where early on he gave up a catch or two and the rest of the way he had it locked down. It's like he was able to read and understand the receivers across from him. Really impressive. That said, the tackling is not great. Um, I, I watched the Miami, Ohio quarterback duke him out of his shorts <laughs> and it, it's just not great. And again, yeah. the coverage is the most important thing, but going that high, you got to at least be able to play the run a little bit better. And I, while he has the tools to get there, there's plenty of him getting to the spot to make the tackle. I, I don't love the, the tackling. I don't love the missed tackle rate. Um, was not a fan there. Definitely not. Don't love that one. So, like, I think a lot of these corners in a trade down, you know, you start to like them, of course. And, like, day two, round two, of course, they're fits with the Chargers. But, like, early, not necessarily. I would get why they do Kool-Aid. I get why they do... Yeah, probably just oh Wiggins, um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. Ar Arnold is really the kind of the crown jewel for me. Wiggins' profile would be interesting. I, I don't think Wiggins' profile fits for what this mm. regime would want at corner. 
Like he's super fast and there's a lot of effort plays in there. Um, there's a great play against North Carolina. If you haven't seen it where Wiggins chased down a potential touchdown against North Carolina and actually peanut Tillman punched the ball out and it be, was a touchback. And so he saved, he saved the touchdown. Um, Nate Wiggins does a lot of fun things right now. He's probably where I lean for overall cornerback too. Um, but I, I think for the Chargers specifically, you're looking at either Alabama corner and maybe Cooper DeGene because I think Cooper DeGene could fill various roles for you because he could play the slot, he could play safety, he could play outside. Although I just I don't see like the fluidity from Cooper DeGene of the other players, although he is like he is gonna test very well. Like his straight line runner, yeah, athleticism. It would be an interesting fit to see what he would do in this this defense, and obviously the the Chargers are very familiar with him because he played at Iowa. <laughs> right. Uh, how would you liken Cooper DeGene to like Brian Branch from last year? Oh, um, I would say probably he's a better athlete for sure. Yeah, I think he's more of a tight end cover guy i think in that kind of role he would do really well i think he's not as good of a blitzer but i think in, in space he's probably a better tackler as crazy as that sounds because brian branch is amazing but i think branch is just like he was so physical he was like a, a hammerhead from the slot and could also play safety i think the gene is just more finesse um he's more of a space and chase kind of player than run downhill and, and go make a tackle yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I, I don't love Cooper DeGene. I think he's one, two, three, fourth for me as a corner, which is still really solid, good grade. But yeah. Um yeah, at that point, you're trading back a little further, in my opinion. Love to see yeah. him test though. Yeah, um, he's not gonna test this week, unfortunately. Right. Uh we'll see him test at his pro day. He was on Feldman's freak. So we know we know he's an athlete and he's a great punt returner. Um, that was the other thing is like if the Chargers needed a punt returner maybe you can kind of squeeze some value there, but there's it. They have an all pro punt returner. Um, he's an interesting player. I would have loved to see him do some more versatile things in college, but obviously at Iowa, you put your best athlete at corner makes a lot of sense. Um, let's pivot this conversation to round two, which I think is, is where they are probably going to be looking here. Um, at one point in time, Quinion Mitchell was uh, the, the bell of the ball at pick number 37. That doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. I think in the second round, you're looking at potentially TJ Tampa, Kamari Lassiter, maybe Kyrie Jackson from Oregon. Um, that trio, there's a chance Ennis Rakestraw makes it there from Missouri. Um, of that group, who who's your guy? Who do you like the most? Uh, who do you see as the best fit there? Okay, guy I like the most is Kamari Lassiter. I, I just I, I love guys that, that tackle, that are aggressive, play the run. Love Laster there. I think he's very physical. I think he plays the ball really well. Um, he's my CB5 after Cooper DeGene. So I, I really do like him. Um, but Kyrie Jackson is is the new guy that I watched yesterday and was like, oh, we watched him at the same we? time too. Yeah. 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 And I was like, okay. And I love, and I think the same is for Laster too. I love when there's good film and the numbers are good. And the I think I think I honestly think that that Jackson has a better size profile. I'm curious what he actually measures in at, but he's currently listed at like 6'3", 200, something like that. Um, I really do like both of those guys. It's early, 
Like I wouldn't go DJ James, but I do like DJ James um, quite a bit. Still early. He's projected in like the 90s. I don't think that's where he'll end up going. Um, although he is 164 pounds, according to their pro football focus, which is not great. But, you that's know, the Auburn guy for those who don't. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. DJ James, Auburn guy. Um, I, I think the if you look at the numbers for the Alabama game, I think it's like two touchdowns, 110 yards. And that is a very misleading 110 yards and two touchdowns. One, I think, was busted coverage. that wasn't his fault. The other was that improbable Hail Mary in the corner of the end zone. You, know, you try to like rule out plays that are outlier plays, like how often is that going to be an issue? I, I don't think that's going to be a consistent issue for him. These Hail Mary once in a, every 10 years kind of plays. Um, so I like him quite a bit. Not as much in round two, but probably like a round three kind of guy. Uh, who else have I watched that I really liked? I mean, Sandra still, obviously. Um, obviously, Sandra still fits. There's an obvious <laughs> fit there. Copy paste um, for sure. Yeah, copy paste, definitely. Again, it really just depends for me on how much they are using Durward in the slot. If at all, is he strong safety? I have I have no idea what their what their plans are for Derwin. Yeah. Um. So Sandra still like him a lot. There's a lot of really good corners in the, in the second and third rounds. Yeah, I think in the second round specifically, I think TJ Tampa is is super interesting from a physical profile standpoint. I don't know, you know, he's like six three. Like he's he's a big physical corner. Um. I wish there were more tape out on there. I think there's two games on Caddy's Cutups, and they're both against shitty offenses, so it's really not a fun time. Um, but like physicality is his thing. Length, he like he's to me a stereotypical like Gus Bradley corner. Like if the Chargers had Gus Bradley as their DC, I'd be like, that's the one. <laughs> um, but I do think that there is some like awkwardness in terms of this specific fit. I like the fit a lot of Kamari Lassiter. Um, very instinctive zone coverage dropping i think is fantastic there's some great reps of him uh dropping kind of to a kind of like cover two level and then coming up and making a tackle i, I think the fit for kamari Lasser makes a lot of sense like thomas martinez said in the in the chat here i am a little concerned about the long speed i, I think he might be more of like a four five guy not to say that that's a deal breaker by any means four five is still very very fast um but I, I am like slightly concerned about that for him. So I, I think the fit's very clean. I think the best case scenario for me at 37 in terms of the corner is that Ennis Rakestraw makes it to 37. I think he's kind of the best combination of can play press man, can play zone, can tackle, can blitz. He's he's the corner for me at 37 that I would be most excited about. But Kamari Laster, I would be on board with. I definitely see the fit there. Guess I gotta watch Rake Straw. I have not watched Tampa because, like you said, there's all of two games to go off of, and YouTube doesn't count. I have not watched Rake Straw, which I guess yeah. I should have because Sikama projected him to the Chargers. So, yeah, uh, yeah, good to hear all, all those things. Then sounds like a great fit. Yes, let me find the stat because I tweeted the stat earlier about it was like after we talked to Trevor about him, I was like, ooh, let me tweet this out. <laughs> uh, I'll hype up Kyrie Jackson, I guess, while you're talking. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the best missed tackle rates. Um, Pretty good size, has six pressures and two sacks on seven pass rush reps, which is pretty good. Um, so Kyrie Jackson for me, he's going to be a second round grade for me. I'm I'm very much so in love with him. Yeah, uh, Kyrie Jackson, I'm a fan of as well. Um, I think he plays the boundary extremely well, even against Romo Dunes. He had some fantastic reps. Um, and you've got to be able to take your lumps at corner. <laughs> no cornerback is perfect. <laughs> um, he definitely like he will talk your ear off and then lose a rep and then can get right back at you. So 
Um, I, I like Kyrie Jackson a lot. I think size concerns, he's probably on the smaller side. But um, getting back to Ennis Rakestraw, uh, Trevor Sikama talked to us about like run defending corners. And so I went and looked at PFF. Um, there were two cornerbacks from last season in this class that carried an elite run defense grade from the 2023 season, Terry and Arnold and Ennis Rakestraw. Um, Arnold was also tied for sixth in most run defense tackles. He had 20 of them. And then Rakestraw had the sixth lowest average depth of tackle at 1.7 yards. And there's a rep of him against Georgia taking on a pulling guard, stacking and shedding him, and then making a play. Like, if you want a guy who tackles, Ennis Rakestraw is your guy. Um, I like him. We like the same kind of corners. I'm pretty sure you're going to like him as well. Okay. Sounds good. So another round two corner. That is pretty freaking good. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I, even if you don't, even if you disagree with me about Terry Arnold, which I can understand, the depth of this cornerback class is fantastic. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think it gives the Chargers some flexibility. I definitely want to see them take one on day two at worst case scenario, though. Yeah. No, they, Again, I'll have to see how many corners I really like from this day two class, but they, they can't leave day two without one of these corners. Frankly, I don't think they should leave the first two rounds without one. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are some interesting day three corners right now, too, for them from a height, weight, speed aspect of things. Um, Bernardo Green from Florida State has mm. one of the perhaps the best tapes against an elite receiver and what he did against Malik neighbors uh, in week one last season. Um, definitely go watch that one. Um, Cam Hart from Notre Dame, obviously the, the Notre Dame connection with O'Leary. So those are kind of the two guys. I think they're a little less fluid, a little bit more press man, physical types of corners than probably the chargers type, but they're fun. I like them a lot. And then Alex's guy, uh, Max Melton. Have you watched him yet? No, I have not. Okay, so Max Melton, a lot of speed, a lot of ball skills. He's a willing tackler. It's not great, but he's a willing tackler. So he's kind of like the last resort for me, like third round, let's go get Max Melton type of corner. And I think he can play the slot, can play outside, so that would fit too. Yeah, that's great. Uh, statistically, he's 34th out of 34 in this tackle rate. But, yeah, yeah. Uh... It's not great, but he, he's, <laughs> he will tackle. He is willing to tackle, so... He will speed bump. Yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah. Um, any other corner prospect that you have studied so far, Tyler, that you really like? I mean, I think we've covered every name that I've watched at this point. Um, I, I really did like Josh Wallace, who's way back in like the late 200s, I think, of the consensus board, the Michigan corner, number 12, I believe. Just the way these corners and linebackers and DBs and everybody from Michigan are able to disengage at the exact right time yeah. against the run or on screens. Like they're so well coached. So I don't, I don't know why he's so far back. Um, he was, I forget which college he came from, um, but it was, it was his only year at Michigan and when he transferred and it was like, it was only his only productive year. So maybe that's it, but I thought he was plenty good based on what I was, what I saw. I did not know he transferred. I thought he was, or I completely uh, made that up. from right? UMass. Wow. What was UMass? Oh, I knew it. I didn't say it. Wow. Very nice. Yeah. Um, no, I, I haven't watched him like focused on him, but the he's very consistent. He reminds me a lot of the USC corner from last year. who was like a fourth round pick and started for the Vikings a little bit. I forget his name. 
Anyways. Didn't watch him, so he was uh, also not a transfer. Um, I know Gavino and Alex Hatson also really like Kalen Carson from Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a decent amount of hype out there for him. I have not gotten a chance to watch him yet, but he's on my list, so he's kind of like the the next one for me that I need to get after. Yeah, I think I've watched 12 or 13 corners, and I feel like I haven't made a dent. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have watched three and I feel like I'm done, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> which is great because there have been some really poor co- corner classes in the past, but this corner class has some good depth to it for sure. Yeah, this is nice. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's the cornerback discussion. So I think we're all on the same page or at least the two of us <laughs> um, add two corners. This class, I think would be a great fit for this team moving forward. I agree. All right. Um, Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in. That's going to do it for us today. Like I mentioned, our free agency episode. No, still no fireworks. All right. Um, free agency episode tomorrow on the on the Chargers channel. Next week, it's all geared towards previewing free agency. So you know we're 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 uh, coming up on free agency talk here soon. I would assume we hear some uh, roster cut news next week as well. Maybe by the end of this week would be would be fun again after that. So. A uh, lot of uh, fun times ahead for sure. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, leave us a rating review. All that good stuff uh, is very helpful to us to continue to uh, grow the show. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll see you next time. As always, bolt up. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.